Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winnipeg Music Project's first ever live audience show, uh, Meet Your Music Maker. Um, yay! <laughs> awesome. So I just have a quick couple announcements, and then we'll get right into the interview. So um, thank you to everyone for coming down, um, and thank you to our wonderful sponsors, uh, the Northern Touch Music Festival, uh, UMFM Campus Radio Station, uh, the Snow Lake Initiative um, for making this event possible, and thank you to the Handsome Daughter and the staff for allowing us to use the space and being so helpful and wonderful. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Winnipeg Music Project is where music making matters. <laughs> my new slogan. It is a UMFM campus radio show and podcast, and it's a platform for local talent to support um, and showcase the artists and their music. So lots of interviews, uh, live events, grant funding hangouts, um, soon to be songwriting circles. Stay tuned for that. So today I am joined with Shay, Malcolm J, and Havs. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Hello. So we're going to go around, uh, go, down, go down the line and everyone just say, um, your name again, and uh, what kind of music you make, or what's your sound? Yeah. My name is Shay. Um, I am a musician, a rapper, an R&B singer, songwriter, producer, and I'm also uh, the founder of the Northern Touch Music Festival, which is a three-day music festival here based in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Malcolm. I go by Malcolm J. I'm a hip-hop artist, so I'm a rapper and a producer. I uh, produce all my own work, and I've been doing this for 10 years. My name is Havs. I'm a singer-songwriter. Um, I don't really, I don't know, I'm, I do a bunch of genres, but I guess mostly R&B and, yeah, mostly R&B. Mostly <laughs> R&B. Awesome. So how did you, let's go down the line again, how did you get involved in music, and um, how did it lead to R&B and hip-hop? Um... I didn't choose music, music chose me. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, started out when I was young. I really liked music a lot. And uh, I think uh, one of the things that I did was I moved, I moved around as a kid a lot. I was born in Winnipeg, but I lived across Canada. And uh, music was kind of a way to connect with people, um, not just to connect with listeners at the beginning, but to connect with other people around me. And I used to listen to a ton of music, like all the time. I was one of those kids that just always had my headphones on, um, walking around. and. Uh, then eventually, there was a moment when I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to join a band. I'm going to play guitar, which is mostly how white suburban kids start out. And uh, then they picked up a guitar, and then I uh, basically started making music, and then moved into, got to my first rap tapes. I'm not going to tell you when, because that'll date me. <laughs> um, but uh, the fact that I even said rap tapes probably dates <laughs> me a little bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I got my first couple, and I was like, yo, this is great. Um, I moved around so much that having a band was really tough. So uh, at the same time that I was kind of listening to hip-hop and rap um, was the advent of the digital era when, like, computers... Uh, basically started to, you were able to like start producing music with computers, so shout out computers. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically when that happened, I was like, yo, I don't need a band. So I pretty much just uh, started making beats. And then I was like, um, I think the records that really got me to want to rap was Jurassic 5's Power and Numbers and the Blackalicious uh, Blazing Arrow. Uh, those two records became two records that uh, I was like, yeah, I can do this. And then... Um, Fast forward years later, and I'm a better rapper than both those records. 
Um, I started making music or got into it at a young age, so my family was really musical, so my mom would, she plays guitar, piano, and drums, and singing in church a lot, and then my dad was a break dancer in the 80s and had like this really deep record collection that I acquired from him from like late 70s all the way through the 80s and 90s, so I've been around hip-hop and R&B my entire life, so it's just something that's always been something I've enjoyed doing. I started freestyling in high school with all my friends. There's a site called SoundClick. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but I was on there like every day. I have a secret site there. I have like 160 freestyles that I have like from when I was 15. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into it, just for fun. And then I started a group with my friend. Uh, we called it the Happy Unfortunate. He was a producer. Uh, we were going through some things at the same time, so it just kind of made sense. And I learned how to produce from him, and I uh, taught him how to rap and vice versa. Um, and actually, Shay gave me my very first show in 2009, I think, or wow. it was like your birthday, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, Room 720. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I've seen Shay do his thing for a long time, too, and uh, that's how long I've been doing it. So Awesome. Also dating me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. I was I'm only two years I'm old, too, man. <laughs> I was only two years older than you. <laughs> um, I kind of, I guess, started... My mom was an opera singer, so I kind of just like always was around that um, pretty different genre. But mm-hmm. um, I still kind of like followed her around on her shows, and I would sing with her and stuff like that. And then um, I started. My ex actually got FL Studios and started making beats. Um, and then we made a beat that ended up being my f- like my first song, "Do It All." That was recorded by Derek Benjamin, who I knew from like singing backup for somebody before that. And it was just like this big networking thing. And then Derek like mastered the whole thing because the beat was like obviously not ready. We didn't really know what we were doing. And then um and then we yeah, I just kind of branched off from there, started working with um Pishon, and then now I'm part of Easy Click, so mm-hmm. That's kind of how that started. And I've just been doing like shows and um, in the studio a lot and stuff like that. Networking, I think, was a big thing for me because I met a lot of people through that and got a lot of opportunities that way. So Awesome. Why didn't you do opera? <laughs> Your mom I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> feeling it, you know? No. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you're doing good with hip-hop and, and R&B, <laughs> so that works out. Um, so what do you guys think of the local music scene in terms of R&B and hip-hop representation? think it's it's going good it's it's slowly building or is there just not enough of it what do y'all think well you know uh i've been i've been around for 10 years like shane seems to too and it's you know it's come a long way from what it used to be hip-hop used to just be this thing that was you do in small venues no one really wants to hear it and uh, now it's everyone has their own sound like easy click has their own sound we have guys doing emo rap we got guys doing straight boom bap it's really kind of grown in its own Wayne, the festival that Shay has really helped mm-hmm. bring that to light to everybody. Like we have so many great artists around the city doing different sounds. So, um, yeah. one of Pigs is a weird place where everyone's inside for like more than half the year, so they can just <laughs> experiment, and make different sounds, and perfect their craft. And yeah, we have and a lot of great artists here. So mm-hmm. then the summer they emerge and they emerge. <laughs> like we have music. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like hip-hop is the, the genre that you want to be in. Um, I haven't really been in the scene for that long, but from what I've seen, it's just, like, growing, like, crazy, and it's becoming, I don't know, there's so many, it, there's a lot of support in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what, uh, 
for those of you who have gone maybe nationally and maybe done a little bit of international touring, how do you think uh, Canada's hip-hop R&B scene um, relates to the international um, industry? I just got back from Halifax Passport Music Summit, so mm -hmm. that was basically <coughs> what it was all about, was uh, basically connecting bands and uh, artists from out here with international people, folks. And uh, it's crazy. Like, I've, I've, I've been with Malcolm J out in Europe, and we've done shows out there. And it's funny, but it's, like, kind of the same. Uh, like, the discussions that came up at, uh, at Passport Music was, like, they were like, I'm going back out there in May, going to be doing shows. I'm like, I'm going to be coming through Germany. Got any connections for me? They're like, nope. <laughs> we don't work <laughs> in hip hop. They're like, just reach out to the artists. And apparently that's just like, it's like that around the world. It seems like there's little pockets of it. It's the most highly consumed music in the world. And yet when it comes to industry, they're just like so far behind. Yeah. And wh why do you think that is? I think it just came up too fast, at least for Canada to adapt to, right? Where okay. we, most of the funding, grant funding, the front facing is all for indie rock or that kind of sound. So, and that's where everyone specializes in. And you know, hip hop's been huge in the states and overseas for a long time, but it's just finally becoming huge here. So, mm -hmm. or at least artists here are starting to get noticed. So, yeah. uh, I think we just don't have the full infrastructure set up yet to really support it the way. But Chase, right? Like everyone's just trying to figure it, it out in Canada, like. You have to go out and network yourself to actually see what the artists are doing. So, mm -hmm. but um, I think people think Canada is a really fresh place to come from when you go overseas. They're like, "Oh, you're from Canada." They just assume we're all like Drake in the weekend, but really not <laughs> like that. So, um, so yeah, I think Canada has a nice brand that we can export. But it, uh, I think you can agree, Shay. Like it's kind of the same struggle for everyone, right? Yeah, and around the world, it seems like yeah. no matter where you go, like there's little like little hip hop clubs and stuff like that. And it's literally reaching out to the artists. There's not really like a, a, big, a rap yeah. booking agency. There's not really a rap management like agency. There's not really like it really isn't like that. But what's crazy is, again, it's the most highly consumed music in the world. You walk through the streets and people are listening to hip hop and they're just like, what's going on? But it's not just like trends. It's also <clears throat> The groups that were making rock are still making bread right now. Like, basically, there's, like, a chunk of them that, like, were big, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they're still making a lot of bread. And so the booking agencies are not going to turn to all these new acts because they're still... It's like, it's like oil, the oil industry. Yeah. They'll never, it'll never die until they pump the last bit of oil out of the ground, <laughs> like, unfortunately. Yeah. That's yeah. what it feels like. Okay. Um, wh where do you see the industry going you said it's it's changing it's getting bigger um in the next few years what do you think hopefully is going to happen or do you, do you think there's going to be agencies or um um these like business organizations all around rap uh, i was going to say yeah. probably because <laughs> like things like even northern touch is fairly new even this is like the first of its kind right and it's slowly like little events like this are going to make a bigger impact because there's going to be so much of them. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. They could just fall behind, become extinct, and then the more grassroots organizations might just jump out. Like Northern Touch got big after one year, you know, and that's only after yeah. two years of doing it. So some agencies be might become extinct if they don't adapt, you know, like anything. Yeah, and like the culture is changing. So, I mean, uh, you're going to find more and more streaming uh, the industry itself is changing. 
and it's actually hip hop that seems to be adapting the best. Actually, we were talking about that earlier. Um, uh, just like, oh, actually, it was over there. Yeah, uh, we were talking about it earlier. But basically, like, <clears throat> there really isn't radio anymore. I mean, radio is propping up like rock bands, country bands, some of the traditional stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, classic rock. <clears throat> they can tour and make a bunch of money because everybody's going to go to the ACDC concert who's seen the same ACDC concert for the past like 10 years, 15 years. And like that's going to continue to happen. Yeah. And meanwhile, people like our age <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> um, are streaming music. That's not how we consume music. We don't buy CDs anymore. No, Nobody, yeah. like, nobody's buying CDs. We're all on our phones. We're all on Spotify. And, we're do- and you know what does really well on that stuff? Spotify and SoundCloud? Rap. Rap music. EDM music. All the brand new music that everybody's listening to and consuming. They're consuming so much of it because it's right on their phone. So I think that that's a big thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with that, th- there is so much hip-hop, rap, R&B on the music that uh, on on SoundCloud, Spotify, on those streaming platforms, that it sometimes becomes overwhelming. Um, and there's some would argue a lot of not good music, but in all genres, that's yeah, true. Like there's like, can always going to be <laughs> some pretty um, questionable music. But what do you guys do specifically to make your music stand out? To make yourselves like stand up above the rest of the other musicians in your genre? Like what's unique to your sound? I think branding is a big thing. Like how you brand yourself is kind of like how people are going to see your music. So if you brand yourself a certain way, then that can make you unique. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like for me, I always like try to dress extra and like be super extra when I'm like on stage and stuff. But like if people actually know me, like I'm pretty reserved and quiet. So it's like kind of gives people a reason to to listen to my music or to go to a show because it's something different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just uh, being authentic for what you really want to do with music. If you want to just kind of fit in with the crowd and do whatever is relevant, you have to be really, really good at it to stand out. If you really want to stand out, you could be true to what you really want to talk about, and people that resonate with it can resonate with it. It's like, along with branding, it's knowing your target market and knowing how to reach them the right way. So even if it's more niche or not the most popular music, as long as you know how to reach those people that want to hear it, um, I think that's really how to get success as a person trying to stand out in this big rap world right now, where mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone, their dog can make a beat and rap, you know? Everyone can download beats easily, so it's a little bit, it's tough to, mm-hmm. it's uh, the barriers to entry are different. Like rock music, you need a whole studio and like thousands of dollars to record an album. But with rap, you can just get like a $50 microphone and get <laughs> a beat and get going. So that's yeah. a great thing about it, but also tougher competition if you want to stand out, mm-hmm. right? So I think as long as you're authentic, it'll, it'll come. Yeah, it's definitely the authenticity thing. <clears throat> but there's also, like, uh, the idea that, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, when Led Zeppelin was out and then everybody heard, like, Kurt Cobain, they were like, that's garbage. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's so simple. These crazy <laughs> these crazy guitar riffs, and like, I don't even know what he's saying. He's, like, mumbling on a record. So it's the same sort of thing. Every, t- every generation has their music. So I don't think that, like, it's necessarily about cutting through the noise. I think it's, like, embracing it. I think that it's like crazy to think that like uh, that competitive nature of like I'm better than you, like in the rap world right now, or at least for me, I'm finding it's it's dying. Like the internet's filled with everyone trying to make it, so like people are just like shouting each other out. They're like, "Yo, great, yeah, it's so different now. It's not like 
Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's literally so much different. I actually really appreciate that because, like, I'll, I'll, I'll repost people's music. I'll shout them out. Like, I'll be on, like, just just reposted yours. Like, I literally was, like, had the, t- the countdown for uh, the joint that you just had. And, like, I reposted a little thing that he, he Social media has done that, though. Yeah. Social, so social media has really changed it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's so much about, like, cutting through the noise as it is, like, embracing it. I don't know. Yeah, if you're trying to like stick old school, it's gonna be a little harder to, to like not really make it, but just get along with it. Because if you want to appeal to the younger audience, it's gonna be if that's other, their mindset, it doesn't really make sense to be fighting it. I liked the thing I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned branding. I always take for granted with that, just like because when we when we're doing. Um, um, like workshops like at Manitou Music, they're always talking about branding and it, it's it's so integrated in, in how to be a successful artist. And I guess it's from the social media aspect as well. Um, and Jessica B is here. Woo! Thank you so much. Hi, sorry, guys. That's okay. Um, can we get her mic on? Um, so uh, I guess my next question is, uh, what do you think about the uh, gender representation in hip-hop? Do you think it's, it's different than other genres or do you think that there's still kind of this... Um, this gap that needs to be kind of equaled out? Um, I think that, like, there's a few things that are actually, like, really interesting in, like, the rap world. There used to be the idea of, like, the fem C or the female MC. There's a lot of rappers right now that are, like, tearing that apart because, like, that doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. And when it comes to gender representation, some of the worst I see is, like, the bro frat rock festivals and stuff like that. Uh, Northern Touch had... I think it was two women headliners the first year. Um, the second year we had like it was um, 50-50. Um, wow, and so so like and that and, and it was sort of like and it wasn't really like something that we set out to do. It's mm-hmm. more so just like we were like okay because it has to do with education as well. So each person had a reason to be there for education. Yeah. And and like yeah, I don't know. I think that like hip hop because hip hop comes from a community of people who are underserved, um, I think that that's the, the gender representation is usually fairly good. People typically like say that it's hyper masculine and stuff like that, but I don't think those. That's usually an argument from people who don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like me. <laughs> well, I think now you you see a lot more female artists coming out of the works. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I like to see that. This is Jessica B, by the way. <laughs> the she just snuck onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, people say, um, or at least like from what I heard, that it's really male-dominated. But like what Shay was saying, I don't think it really matters as long as the male part of it or like the masculine energy isn't like like toxic masculine, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Um, so like I don't really surround myself with that. Like I'm sure it's out there, um, and I'm sure it's out there in the rap scene and the hip hop scene and everything. But I just don't really choose to to surround myself with that, so I don't really see it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't focus on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's come a long way. I think those old attitudes are dying from the old guys that were homophobic and super sexist. Ten years ago, even five years ago, uh, rap of the 2010s was questionable. So um, the fact that everyone can do their own thing now gives everyone a platform to do what, say what they want to say. So. Mm-hmm. Shout out Kid Cudi, because now you can actually have feelings. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this Northern Touch Music Festival that we've been talking about, you know, Shay, you had, um, it was like your brainchild, I guess, um, with, I guess, with other people, right? I don't know. How did, how did, why did this, this 
festival start? Why was it so important for you to finally put it together? And it, it had this amazing response. Like everyone's been saying, it's like it's only like it's going to be its third year this year, and it's already just it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Why did you decide to put all this effort into something like that? Uh, Manitoba Music actually, and I have had a long-term relationship where I was an artist and going to everything, doing kind of everything they said to do, going to play the festivals they told me to go play, and going to CMW and playing my showcase to nobody at three o'clock in the morning on government funding, and I just thought the money was being misspent. Like, it was just silly. And so finally, <coughs> after, after years of doing that, I was like, okay, well, we gotta have a conversation about these opportunities. And, uh, <coughs> and so I, 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 I talked to them and said, hey, you know, like, let me try and bring some people out because I feel like there's a disconnect between the funding agencies or like the MIAs and like kind of what's happening on the ground. And uh, they were, you know, they were awesome enough to open up the doors and we had a round table discussion. And when they came, well, when, when it happened, there ended up being like 60 people there, like it's quite a few people. And I think probably 80% of them were like not members. Um, or had not walked through Manitoba Music's doors. So I think it was a moment where it was kind of like, oh, man, we got a, there's a lot of people here, you know? And, and not only that, but like, we have so many cultures here in Winnipeg, and it was like very representative of that. Like, we have like the, we have like the largest Filipino community outside of the Philippines, I'm pretty sure. And then we've got like the indigenous community, we've got the black community. So it was like, for, for, a, for a minute, it was like, Look at all these other people who are not in folk bands. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so once that happened, uh, they brought out Taiwo Ba, which is awesome from sponsorships of Factor, the federal government. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he was like, "Yeah, if somebody does something about this, you know, we might throw some sponsorship money." And I was like, "All right, I guess that's me. That's my cue." So I just started organizing it and then uh, opened it. And basically, even though it's it leans towards hip hop, R and B, and soul, I really want it to shake that that um, box, mm -hmm. uh, like, I know that you played at the yeah, festival. Yeah, I, I played it. And yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and you got to play for the mayor. So, I mean, that was... That was amazing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, so that is an opportunity. I don't know. Have you ever had that opportunity before? No. Okay, so there you go. Your yeah. hip-hop, R&B, and soul festival, you mm -hmm. know, opened the doors for you to play for the mayor. And not only that, but House Handshake is a band that uh, right. ended up working with Natalie Kleinschmidt. And they were like, I don't know why we got booked to this hip-hop, R&B, and soul thing. And I'm like, yo, like... It's not just, it's for the first time we just kind of shifted the paradigm a little bit, so. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, how, that's yeah, how the festival, yeah, yeah that's yeah, how it came like about. You're the only one here that's. And now, and yeah, and then, and then, and I mean, so then anyways, um, yeah, so right now we have, uh, we actually have submissions still open for this year's festival. It is July long weekend, um, June uh, 20, yeah, June 29th to July 1st. And uh, the early birds have now ended, but you can go and you can sign up at bit.ly, bit.ly, front slash NTMF 2019, all caps. And uh, basically, yeah, just uh, fill out the submission. We have a committee of nine people, which I am not part of, so do not slide my DMs, please. I will not put you on a stage. Um, <coughs> but basically, a bunch of people, we, we choose a committee, the committee goes through it. Uh, we choose artists from kind of each quintile. Um, so we actually do help artists who are just starting out. We don't go just for like the top acts. And then we uh, bring in some headliners to sell some tickets and give people opportunities like yourself and, uh, and uh, showcase opportunities to like really, you know, basically link with, uh, with industry people. 
And like I said, the industry people we bring out for the two days of workshops in education and professional development, uh, they might lean towards hip hop and, 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 and R&B, um, but they're not all like in that genre. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, I will include a link to that uh, so you can find it easily. Um, just click it really real quick. So I would like to shift kind of what we're talking about into songwriting, um, just because a lot of the listeners on the show tend to be songwriters, and maybe there are people who want to get into uh, this genre, or just they'd like to listen to different influences, which is always what I encourage. Um, what are some elements that make a good track in R&B and hip-hop? What are some things that you always try to include or you stay away from? I don't know. Definitely the team that you work with is a huge thing because like, I feel like the producer and the, you know, the person that's recording it and mixing and mastering and everything doesn't get enough credit ever. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, without the production, without like the mixing, the mastering, the person recording it, I wouldn't even have a song. You know what I mean? So yeah. I would just be like singing a, like a cappella randomly on the streets i don't know that would um, still be interesting though yeah <laughs> yeah well, a great song sounds good a cappella even without production too is it one thing does. i would say with songwriting right yeah, so um we want it to sound like with the producer and everything so i get that too yeah 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 it's just important to me to like have that um i guess like everybody that's working on it kind of you know like be able to actually vibe with them well and like have good energy when you're mm -hmm. in the studio and stuff like that because otherwise you won't really get what you're looking for in a track. And how, how quickly does the like the producer and the team get involved with uh, with your songs? Like I know with, with, with folk or with like rock bands, they, they'll usually have like the whole genre or the, sorry, not the whole like album written and they'll have practice by themselves and they have it all planned out before they go into a studio. How 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 involved is the producer? Like, is it right from the beginning or is it halfway through? Well, for me, like, I can write as much as I want, but without a beat, it doesn't really, like, it, it's not as good. It, it's not the finished product, like, what I'm looking for. And a lot of the times, if I try to write before I get a beat, then I'll just, like, scratch it all. And, like, once I get the beat, I'll rewrite to it because it's, like, a certain vibe that I'm feeling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. It's different with different... Like I, producers. I think it's super cool with hip hop because it's the first time the producer becomes like the main point of contact. Mm -hmm. Like that's like it's it's really different. Like a folk band doesn't go to the producer and be like, "Okay, what folk tracks do you have <laughs> today for me?" Yeah. I just wrote this really awesome <laughs> poem and I really want to put it down. Yeah. You know, it's about the prairies. Give me some of that prairie heat. Like it, it's steel super. Guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got anything with steel guitar? Come on now. Um, no, but in hip hop, that's kind of how it goes. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that I write without a beat sometimes, and I'm sure Malcolm probably does. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and, and you do too. Um, so it all does happen that way as well. But mm -hmm. it's like one of the only genres where you literally kind of have to start with the producer as a point of contact. I think for me with music, like one of the first things is just, or one of the most important things for me is, is the emotion in it. You know, you really have to feel it. It has to be true to you has to be something that you really believe in. And I think that's what really like makes a good song. Yeah. The okay. thing with that is I don't really like fixate on emotions a lot. That's why like if I write something, I'll just like scrap it if I find a beat that's like, like a lot of the times, yeah, like I said before, if I find a beat after, I'll just like rewrite something totally new. Cause like I'll be feeling like a totally different type of way, so. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, yeah, hip hop's really feeling based, I would say. Mm -hmm and with the writing. But just like any genre, I mean, authenticity or great lyricism is gonna be the same whether you're making folk or rap or anything like that. 
but with the rap, you have like stuff like delivery and flow and breath control that become even more uh, intricate to master with rap. So um, unless you're, yeah. So it depends on the genre of rap, of course, but. Um, facts. Because I would like yeah. to challenge that a little bit. <clears throat> because I, like coming back from the songwriter thing, it's like I was looking at the stuff that I'm writing right now, and I'm like, man, a songwriter's going to laugh at me. Like, you know what I mean? Some of the bars that you're thinking about, like, come on, yeah. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, that song bangs. Like, I don't care. It's 600 million views. You know what I mean? Like, I would say that's a producer song, though, right? Because right now, rap is kind of a producer game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, put, no, 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 yeah, for sure. And yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying necessarily. I'm just saying, like, no, like, bars like that, there's still bars. Like, somebody yeah. still wrote that. Or even Mo Bama, like Sheck West. Like, somebody still thought of these things. But if you put them next to a songwriter, the songwriter is going to be like, what? Who are, like, what is this? So it's really, like, that's what blows my mind a little bit is that it's a different thing. Songwriting and, or, or, and hip-hop is so, like... About the mood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah like some, sometimes it doesn't even have to rhyme. Like, it, yeah. it just, if it flows, if it feels... It makes me think of the, the new Ariana Grande Seven Rings. I know mm -hmm. if you don't like her, I'm sorry, but I, I, She's the dope. song it sounds it, it's it's really catchy and the feel it really forks together. And I saw a parody of it with someone who's doing. Um, What's her name from Sound of Music, and she's like, she's actually singing it the exact yes. same way, but it's I it love doesn't that. work. Yeah, it just it doesn't work, <laughs> and so that totally makes sense. Like it has to be a feel. Um, so when you're listening to a beat before you start to write, and um, what what's what resonates with you? What what makes you feel like okay, I got something? Like, what do you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just know. Like, I just like when I really feel it. I don't know. You just know. It's, it's not really. Ooh, that yeah, feeling yeah. right there when you're like, ooh. <laughs> For me, I always know if it starts like playing over in my head again after I'm done the session. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I produce everything I make. So oftentimes I'm in a certain mood when I'm producing. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of just reflects what I want to write to it. But I'm the same way. You have to have like a beat that makes you feel a certain type of way. And then you adjust your flow or your whatever it is to that beat. Versus if you write something out, like you say, you might scrap it because it doesn't fit the vibe of that song, or right? So it's kind of tough to have a book unless you're doing like straight Nas bars to boom bap beats for like twelve tracks. It's really hard to have like a set flow that fits a beat perfectly uh, yeah. until you listen to it. So, mm -hmm. like I have a little notepad in my phone that I just like put, Rough you know, yeah, exactly, like ideas that I come up with, and then if I get a beat and just skim through that, and if it fits, then it fits. So when there's a lot of collaboration that happens, and um, when you're when you're working with someone else with, with having like features and do they need to be in the room while you're producing or writing or is it afterwards? What's what usually happens with that process? They don't need to be. Um, it's always better when everyone's in the room and everyone's together. Um, okay. I only really collab with people that I know, um, and yeah, usually. Usually we are together because it's like even with Easy Click, like a lot of the times we'll just like go to the studio, um, like to to Derek's even or something like Derek Benjamin. Um, we record with him and then we'll all just be writing on the spot kind of. But when it's like more of like a strict like timed thing, I guess then it's it's always better to write it before and just like come prepared. Mm -hmm. I mean, either way, it's good to come prepared. But yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> That's good. Um, how long does it usually take to, to, to finish a song from start to finish? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, 
variety. And you know, it's funny. Again, I'm probably going to bring up this passport summit because I had a lot of like touchy points. I was like the be- I was like the. Du- I ended up looking like a douche in the room, but like it sucks because they don't really represent hip hop. They don't understand how it works. Like Mo Bama literally was what? He jumped in there. Sheck West just jumped in, freestyled those bars, uploaded it to the internet. Literally that thing had like millions and millions and millions of views. The track that I just did that had, that got 200,000 uh, sp- streams on Spotify, l- legit, we did it in like an hour at a Holiday Inn in Truro, Nova Scotia. We uploaded it three weeks later, and then boom, it's the biggest stream song of my career. Like, mm-hmm. it's so weird. That's interesting. I wonder if, if like, it's just, like, modern jazz, like, improvisation. Like, it's, it's like, where that feeling came from. Yeah. I wonder. Um, probably. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you keep, the, you keep the feeling going. The feeling's yeah. in the room, the feeling happens, the and then moment. the feeling it puts out, and then the feeling go, goes to the people, and then they take it. But it's also about the consumer culture. Yeah. Like, consumers are not waiting around for an album anymore. They want to feel something right now, and they, like, literally go to their phone, they open it up, and they're like, oh, new Sheck West, or whatever, and they just they bump it for, like, probably, like, a million times, and then they start, like, singing it and whatever, and then four days later, it's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, sometimes I've written a song in, you know, like 10 minutes. But I've, I remember one song took me almost 14 years to actually finish, you know, because it was really personal. So, it, you know, sometimes you come back to it and you finish and then, yeah, so it varies. Yeah. It's like I have, like, a lot of half-made songs that I just polish later on. I don't know if you guys have that, too, where you're, like, I'll freestyle or, like, rough things. And it, that might take me 10 minutes to do because I was the feeling at the time. And you come back and polish it later and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That yeah. also happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's just across all yeah. genres. Just like all artists are never happy with their work, or there's like they want they need to like let it like brew, and then they can come back to it. And but I still wish I, I like kind of wish that rock got on the like you know any type of rock got on the wagon a little bit. Literally just like bang something out that night and then just yeah. put it up. Yeah, like jam session. Then boom, all of a sudden it's up and it gets like a hundred million streams. Like that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Like brand new, like whatever, like I don't know, whatever band's popping right now, like just like brand new. That'd be so cool. And then it's that just one be. song, and then it's out, and it's like, and it's you know. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's interesting because like for a band, right, they're doing all the instrumentation, but I wonder how many hours that producer did on one of those beats that the rapper just freestyled over. He might have perfected the beat for weeks, right? So you gotta yeah. remember Good that call. other half, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's true. So when you're you're getting that that song, like even like an, like a, like you do one one track i guess one take, one take thank you and it's, it's amazing but you you need to kind of know what you're singing about i guess right like do you have like a plan lyrically what you kind of want to sing about or do you like do you have rhymes like written down ready or like how does that work like like when the co- or house was talking about you can have ideas in your phone that just popped into your head last week and you can bring that into the studio when you're ready to record and you could leverage that even if it's just a few lines that make sense or mm-hmm. a whole concept already but yeah and then yeah. just like fill the rest in mm-hmm and is it important for for your music um, specifically to have like reoccurring themes in them? Like you always want to sing about love, or you always want to sing about heartbreak or um, struggles. Sad boy. <laughs> I don't know. I have like I I just like lately I've been trying not to even like give it much like as much thought. I know that sounds really crazy, but I'm like everything that I've been writing lately is literally the feeling of like wanting to have fun again. I've been writing like I've been like like I'm 17 again. It's like <laughs> it's really weird. What does that What does that mean? It just means like I'm not like I'm not all like. Well, how do these bars? How do these bars like whatever? Like I'm not. I'm just not like. Not that overanalyzing anymore. it. What's that? Yeah, I'm not overanalyzing it. I'm just getting in and I'm writing the feeling way more right now. Hip hop's in a place I think 
personally, that hip hop's in a place that is way more about the feeling of the track than anything else. And I think mm -hmm. that like we went through the 90s, which was like, which was like, uh, you know, the Nas era, like you're talking about. And like, there's still cats that are like that. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, you're such a, you know, I love it. Like that, that's all vibe. That is not really like, okay, should we put ho in the second part of the verse? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no. Yeah. Okay. That's what makes it fun too, is like not thinking too much about it mm -hmm. and just doing it. Are you ever surprised and you, you look back and like, did I say that? Or is it always? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, of all the, all your your repertoire and stuff that you perform, what is your favorite song of your of your own that you perform live that you might be performing later today? Me? All of you? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I like them all. Like they're them all. like they're all fun. It's it's all, I always love performing with features. Like, I just like performing in general. But it's always funner when like your friends are on stage with mm -hmm. you. You know. Makes sense. What about you, Malcolm? It's not one song, no. <laughs> no, no one song? Yeah, I'm the same way I like. I really enjoy performing. Uh, probably the last song I do is called Always Know. It was off of my debut solo project, and I like performing it. Cause it even though I wrote it like three years ago, it still feels relevant to me, so I enjoy the lyrics. And I'm a big fan of just um, anytime I write something, it's true to who I am at a snapshot of time. So it's nice to revisit you know, who you were a few years ago, even if it's different than you are today. You know, So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And still, you still like resonate with it. And still, oh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Be Jessica. Uh, well, I have a few songs that I haven't actually performed before, but um, I guess out of those, um, my favorite one right now is "Dark Side," because it's kind of just talking about another part of me that I think everybody has. Mm -hmm. Cool. I have a little bit of the old album "Alter" that I put out like last year that I'm going to perform. But I noticed that when I do those songs, like they were super, like, because I went through a major change. I lost like 80 pounds and like glow, the glow up is real. <laughs> but like, uh, like just sort of basically that, that music was super introspective. It was super deep. And then when I play it, I like look at the crowd and I'm like, yo, I'm like, everybody's about to fall asleep. Like, and not in a bad way. The music's fine. Like, the music's good. It means, it means a lot to me. But the songs that I'm going to play at the end of the set are more like, I'm not overthinking it. It's like party music again, so I'm really, really pumped to do that. Mm -hmm. I haven't performed either of the last two songs. so That you're performing today? Yes. Oh, so exciting. So uh, do you have, for example, someone's listening and they, and they maybe if they're inspired, now they want to make rap music or hip-hop music. And so you, you mentioned how you might need a, or you should have a producer. How should someone get started and get and start, what, what do they do to start making this kind of music? Find somebody that's making music, you know? Mm -hmm. Talk to your friends or hear like somebody, like you hear producers like that other people are working with. They're like, okay. oh, you should go to this guy. You should go to this guy. Mm -hmm. yeah, finding a mentor way. is really important, I think, when you're starting out. Uh, just to kind of show you, maybe don't make the 100 mistakes that that person made to start off with. You know, that's always a great thing to do. Uh, but it's really just understanding what your goals are with music to start off. A lot of people just want to blow up overnight. And while it's possible, you have to be realistic in what your goals are where you want to be and if you what kind of music you want to make so because um, a lot of hip-hop such a general term it's like calling rock everything rock like there's so much in hip-hop now so it's knowing who you, you're branding who you want to be and how you're going to hit that market correctly you know and if it works for you so mm -hmm. so y before you even start you should be really thinking about well that? actually i mean experimenting with what you like i think when okay. you yeah and then i think you should go out to 
you know, the Winnipeg Music Project meetings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plug! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just come and hang out, and I'm sure there'll be someone there um, that might have the same sound as you. And um, But what if, what if someone is a little bit more isolated, that they can't come to Winni Winnipeg, or maybe they live a couple hours away, and they, they're in their basement? How, how can they start experimenting? Beat stars. Beat stars. Beat Stars. Beat Stars? Yeah, everybody, you know, SoundClick was yeah. when you're coming up. Beat Stars is the one right now. Yeah. You can go on SoundCloud. Literally, when you started making or checking for beats, where did you go? Did you go to a website at all, Habs? Me? Um, I, oh my God, I don't know. I, I just got it, like, through networking, honestly. Like, just, I tried producing by myself when, like, I tried building, like, a home studio and producing, and I just watched YouTube tutorials, and, like, yeah. the beat was fine. Like, it was okay, but, like... It was just like awful process. <laughs> like <laughs> it sucks watching YouTube yeah. tutorials, but mm -hmm. like definitely networking is um, is huge. Mm -hmm. And maybe making that that decision early on, like, are you going to be the one that makes your own beats, or are you going and take the time to learn? Or are you are you willing to focus on the, the singing or the the emotion and having having that team? I think would probably yeah, be smart. Yeah, you can find someone. Like I started off with a friend that made beats and helped make. Because when you work with a producer from another city, another country, you know, you're kind of just taking what they already made and putting your own song over top of it. And other people might be doing the exact same thing. If you want to make something that's truly like one of a kind and only yours, you could work with someone and partner up with them and try to make your own sound too. So it all depends on where you're at and what you want mm -hmm. or who you, who you have in your network to work with, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when you're, so let's say that you, you want to start looking for new people, maybe because now with thanks to the internet, you can you can find producers from all over the world. Where would you recommend people just go to listen and, and find those new possible like networking connections? Yeah, like well, beats beatstars.com mm -hmm. is a place where you can go and find. So beats. is it is it a website? <coughs> yeah, it's a website. You just and, and honestly, a big thing is YouTube. Anytime you're starting out, uh, type beats is a big thing right now. You can go and type in like Drake type beat, and there will be tons of instrumentals on YouTube. The idea, I guess, I suppose, is that usually hip-hop people have been listening to hip-hop. So they're already in the community okay. before, like, that makes sense. I mean, it's not like you just, like, one day you wake up and you're like, what is this hip-hop? Where do I find it? You know, yeah. it's more <laughs> like you're, you're kind of in it already. You're listening to yeah. it. You've been listening to tapes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think probably the first beat that I listened to or, like, went and snagged would have been, like, me being, like... I mean, aside from SoundClick and stuff, which is a lot like a Beat Stars back in the day, it was probably like me being like Dr. Dre the Chronic instrumental. You know what I mean? Like yeah. literally just going to find instrumental copies because that's something that it, with it, within the community you can find instrumentals of all your favorite like mainstream mm -hmm. you know, songs. Yeah. Okay. I know there's actually a lot of programs in Winnipeg for artists who are s just starting out. Like I know one that I went to was um, Broadway Neighborhood Center. I right. went there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's a few other places I'm not familiar with, but I know there's quite a few in Winnipeg, and uh, they're they're more targeted at the younger crowd. But um, typically, you know, you're you're starting out at that at that age. So, mm -hmm. so oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean like Studio Three Nine Three is a great place. Yeah, I, I taught say. a couple <laughs> workshops there in the summer, um, or even like I teach at a drop-in center once a week. So there's a lot of different places for the youth to kind of hip hop's like the thing. Every kid wants to be a rapper producer, so. Yeah. Um, there's many more resources, but it's it's getting there for yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have recommendations for specific softwares that would be good for a beginner to start? 
I don't, I don't want to say FL Studio, but probably FL okay. Studio. You know, I don't, I haven't used it personally. Last time I used it was maybe 10 years ago, and it, what's, it's not what it is today. But um, it seems like that's what a lot of people, there's a lot of tutorials out there for it. And that seems to be what's popular with kids, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, do, you, do you know, does anyone know what, what's so great about it? Or it easy yeah. to use, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, FL Studio, though, like, be, like, Man, Soldier Boy used it. Like, I mean, it's not like you can't. It's the same tools that have gotten people to be millionaires. Yeah. So, like, it's not like FL Studio. It's kind of like a guitar in like any other genre. Like that, you can write a song on a guitar that you bought at a secondhand store. That song could make you a million dollars. So, I mean, Fruit Loops is the same sort of way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I like to use Cubase. I, l- I really like that program. But I. We had found another one um, and where you can actually go in and it actually shows you like how to make the beat, or not how to make the beat, but it breaks down the instruments in a really simple way. I can't remember what the title of the, what the name Logic. of the program was. Do you, do you remember what it was? Logic? Is it Logic? Ignite. Yeah, it's called Ignite. Ooh. And it's a really good, it's, you just install it on your computer, but yeah. Oh, interesting. That's awesome. I think Reason's another one. I'm an MPC guy. I'm MPC as yeah, well. You're an yeah. MPC. So <laughs> I can say, but you know, the learning curve for MPC, it's not something you just drop, you know, hundreds of dollars on if you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. Maybe learn the fundamentals of production before you go in and buy an MPC because mm-hmm. you, it's an investment, you know. So, yeah. Um, but I love MPC and Shay put me on Reaper like 10 years ago too, and I still use it. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So, well, that's it. That works. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone wanted to reach out to you to collaborate, what would you want to, to hear from them or want them to to have, like it, whether, whether it's experience or a beat, or, or what would you what would make you want to work with someone who reached out to you specifically? The vibe is right, just like anything else, you know? Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're a really huge artist or just starting out, if the vibe is right, like, it works, you know? But do you got the bag? Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> um, for me, it's a it's a vibe thing, and I'm like, uh, I'm kind of in a place right now. Um, I actually just like, I just signed a record deal like two weeks ago. Congratulations! So Yay. I'm actually <laughs> yay with somebody down in LA. So I'm 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 right now. It's one of those moments where I'm like. I probably wouldn't, but it's not that I'd have anything against the people that I'm working on the music with. It's more like if they came to me right now, it's just a timing thing. Like, don't don't ever get discouraged if somebody says no to you, like, right off the bat. Like, just, like, don't get discouraged because it, it can be, like, a timing thing. I just saw a guy in Halifax that was, like, <clears throat> when I was out there and he was, like, yo, bro, I want to work on a song with you. And I'm, like, now is not the time. It's just like not the time for me because I got to focus on this and I got to get some other stuff done. And typically once you have like a bunch of streams or you're like, you know, run a music festival, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I want to do a song with you, bud. And you're like, yeah, of course you do. So it's like, it's, <laughs> so it's hard. Um, it's hard to say no because I'm also a super nice guy. But at the same time, like, yeah, don't, don't be discouraged if, if it does mm-hmm. happen. Go and just, just talk to them, bring a song, uh, you know, and just say, like, hey, vibe with them. Hang out with them first. That's, that's one oh. thing. Yeah. Don't just slide in the DMs like that guy being, like, that's really, really, like, annoying to have somebody be like, yo, let's do a track together. And you're like, cool, did you hear my last record? No, I just met you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, like, it's weird. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. In a constant DM, like, that's, uh, people think, like, Instagram's a great tool, but... I hate how rappers feel so entirely like, oh, man, I'm best rapper. I want to blow up next year, you know, hit me up. Let's do a track. 
I get that like at least once a week. And it's kind of like, I don't even know you. Yeah. Like, let's talk or whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's like dating. It's like, just like <laughs> it is. It's like, yo, like take me out for dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of like features that I've done that just have never seen the light of day. And it's just like, well, why did I waste all my time writing this if like nothing, it's just like in the trash now. Like I don't even know what's happening to it. You know what I mean? So yeah, have you ever followed up? Sorry. Have you ever followed up with them or you just kind of let it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like now I just make sure that they, there's like a plan, you know, like a release yeah. plan and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was first starting out and I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, like get experience. Yeah. I got experience and, and collab with as many people as I could kind of thing. And it just, all those tracks are just like, I have no idea where they are now. That's the one con of the internet, especially rap. Like, you could make a track really fast with someone if the vibe is right, but you could, like, write a verse and into a rapper and not hear back for a year. And he's like, oh, yo, I'm feeling that track again. Let's do it. I'm like, whoa, that yeah. took a year to, you know. <laughs> or it just gets lost in the vaults and you never know. It never yeah. sees a light of day. So I guess better yeah. late than never, but still, like, yeah, after, like, for me, like, things that I was writing a year ago are completely different than things that I'm writing now and like my I think my writing's improved a little bit at least so like hearing older songs come out now and it's like that's not even me anymore you know Mm -hmm. I know for me like people will hit me up and be like hey you want to collab and stuff and I'm always just like I kind of you know unless they're really serious about it like I actually collaborated with uh with a fellow artist from I can't remember where he's from, I think Vancouver or something. Um, but we collaborated, I, he sent me a beat. But you know, it starts out like, they gotta send me a link, like I gotta, I gotta hear your sound, I gotta know what kind of style you, you know, what you're about, what, what kind of brand you have, like does it match my brand, does your sound, is it gonna mesh? And then if it does, then you know, I'll go from there and I'll get them to send me a beat, I'll listen to it if I'm feeling it. I might write, I'll write something, but you know, I had this one artist send me like three or four different beats and I was just like, no, I'm not, not feeling that one. <laughs> it all I actually never yeah. ended up doing the track, but yeah, it depends like on the vibe too. Like I, uh, I'm a producer too, so there's this one kid that hit me up on Instagram, wanted to record something. Didn't expect much when he came to my house, and then he just blew me away. Like I felt like you know when Eminem saw Dr. Dre for the first time, I was <laughs> like, damn, this kid is crazy. No one knows who he is, and I, I've made like six beats for him just because I really l- like what he's making on the beats I'm making. It doesn't, it's not about like. You know, they're cloud or how big yeah. they are or whatever. I just yeah. enjoy making music with them. And it's mm-hmm. um, that's a big part of it for me. It's just enjoying the process. I would hate to be in a studio with someone I don't like, but it made financial sense to work with them, you know, and it just wouldn't feel authentic to me. So yeah. You're not going to yeah. sell out anytime soon? <laughs> I don't want to. You know what? Everyone has to, you know, everyone wants to get out of their mom's basement, you know. They don't want to be making music for nothing yeah. forever, right? So you have to make <laughs> the right strategic moves, but and be smart with it, but you also have to enjoy what you're doing too, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so my last question about kind of songwriting. So let's say that this, this person who's listening has finished their songs, um, they, they have their, this production that they're proud of and they're ready to release it. Should they release them individually as singles, when, like as soon as they're finished, or should they do EP or full length? What does that look like now, with, especially with today's music industry, with how the album is dying? What don't release albums. Singles. Yeah. Unless you can demand, like, someone sitting down to your album start to finish, like a Drake or Kendrick or someone huge. I mean, it's kind of, it's, uh, your return on investment is really low mm-hmm. by putting in a year worth of work, right? 
into 12 songs, 15 mm -hmm. songs. I feel like singles is where singles, it's at right yeah. now. And would you just release a single and then, or, or would you have like a, like a little marketing plan with it? Like single, music video, lyric video, or would you just kind of like, maybe one of them will do this full big plan and then the other ones will just kind of release like for no big deal or no big reason? It's definitely good to have some kind of plan. Like it doesn't have to be music video or, or a lyric video. It could just be like an interview where you mention the song or like um, hitting up like certain blogs or, you know, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, it almost seems like you got to just release videos nowadays. Like, people don't even want to hear the audio track. They just want the video. They want to see it, you know, because everybody's putting out videos. Everyone's doing Snapchat. Everyone's doing YouTube. So if you're not doing YouTube, if you don't have a visual, like, nobody's looking at you. Mm -hmm. well, Especially or listening I think to you, hip-hop for sure, for sure. Because right now, the things that really work are, like, uh, <coughs> content curators, like... Um, Lyrical Lemonade or like Trap Nation or like, you know, these different channels that are online, Astari or whatever. <coughs> they're, uh, they're, they're basically, they're like the new curators or the new like tastemakers. And so a lot of them are YouTube based. So if you don't have a video to go with it, then you're not getting on it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. At I the same time, like, like a lot of people don't have the budget for a video. So as long as you can even like do some kind of like Instagram like video of yourself talking about the song, you know, like some kind of visual to go along with it. It doesn't yeah. have to be like a crazy music video. Mm -hmm. Like for my first music video, it was like no budget at all. It was like my own camera that I got for graduating high school. <laughs> and it was like me and my friend were like, how can we make this? Cause it's gonna be bad quality. How can we make this like, so the viewer is gonna be wanting to watch. And we just like did a bunch of weird shit. and. Like, <laughs> like a lot of people liked it, and like people come up to me still, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're the girl that made that funny video." I'm like, okay, that's good. Like it worked, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I guess like that goes hand in hand with the whole how social media is so pre prevalent, and like you have to have pictures for everything. Like I, yeah. I get so frustrated sometimes. I'm like, oh man, I did this awesome thing, but I didn't take a picture, so I can't <laughs> post anything about it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, didn't, even it didn't even happen. <laughs> So I get that. So uh, we do have to wrap up, though. So thank you to so everyone who came down and listened to us chat. Thank you to Shay, Jessica, Malcolm, and Haz. You guys are awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed learning about the scene with you and, and talking. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. And you guys have a release or something. We can talk more, right? Yep. Hopefully. Cool. Hopefully. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. So everyone who's listening to the podcast, uh, this is the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm Ashley Vienez. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, every Tuesday at 2. Uh, we're going to now end the podcast. But if you're here live right now in the present time, not in the past if you're listening to the podcast, uh, we're going to have a uh, live performance. We're going to start with halves. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Great. Thank you.